Bibles, you can, um, we don't have you version tonight, but if you have your Bibles, you can look at John chapter 8 and, and Mark chapter 9, John 8 and then Mark chapter 9. You know, I want to say something about Dream Team. Because the Dream Team is so growing and strong and everything, um, the anointing is stronger in services because of that, because... Uh, when, when, when things are done with excellence and things are, you know, when preparation, you know, success is when preparation meets opportunity. Understand? So like when God wants to do something, but he just, he won't bless a mess. So when things are just run real well and we're, t- we're taking things real seriously and we want to do a good job of things and God blesses that. So um, we prepare. We have a phrase in, uh, behind the scenes, preparation produces the manifestation. We do our part so that God, can, so that you know, we we do something so that God can do anything. You know, anything He wants. So we just got to make sure we do our part. So I just want to just say how proud I am of the different leaders in our church. And somebody was saying the other day, it must I think it was uh, Mike? I think he's here somewhere. Mike Norton. Mike Norton here? I thought I saw him. Anyway, he was just saying, Pastor, it's so nice to see you roaming around. You know, you're in the parking lot. Sometimes you're in kids' church. And because I can, because I can. And and not only that, but like I can do what I do better because somebody else is doing something that I shouldn't be doing better. Does it make sense what I'm saying? So like I can kind of, you know, it's like a quarterback. I can kind of see what's going on and what play to call. And it just makes a huge difference. And I, I just, I can't tell you how exciting that is for me and how rewarding that is at the same time. So uh, everybody has a role to play and, and um, it's important. It makes a big, big difference. Um, so thank you for helping our church to be as healthy as it is and, and uh, accomplish what it's accomplishing. And it's just, you just have no idea what's ahead. It's just, it's going to be, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> it really is. Anyway, I'm going to read, um, first of all, I just wanted to follow up uh, on, on this morning's message a little bit. And uh, how many got something out of that this morning? I could have preached for about two hours. I preached myself happy. I did. I came in. I actually had, I, I think, like a vicarious depression. For those of you who ever been in intercession, sometimes you take on sometimes the, the thing that people are wrestling with. And so I woke up depressed, and, uh, and I didn't know, you know, initially what was wrong with me. But pretty quick, I've been, <laughs> I've been around a little bit, so I should start picking up on some of this stuff a little quicker, sometimes a little slow on the draw. And I realized, you know what? This is what's up. You know, it's like when I get ready to do a marriage retreat, say, so now we'll start having discussions. <laughs> little more heated discussions, and it's like, you know, what's that all about? And so get ready to talk about depression. All of a sudden, you just kind of, you can feel something. That might sound weird to some of you or whatever, but, you know, the devil hates. I mean, you know, we just don't realize what's going on in heavenly realms, you know, and kind of a realm that we sometimes do not see, and, but our, our warfare and our weapons are, are not carnal, you know, and, and we're not, and not fleshly, and so there's a spiritual battle that's going on, and, and the devil hates what was happening this morning, and so, like I said, I preached myself happy, and people, I believe, got free, and, and tons of people made connections. I mean, 22 decisions for Christ. Are you kidding me? That is awesome. That is just so awesome. I just think that is so awesome. I, I can remember when that didn't happen in a year. I'm not kidding. I can remember when that didn't happen in a year under my pastorate. So that is just unbelievable. So, um, Anyway, just kind of follow up. And what I want to do tonight is kind of make break the chain super simple. So like if you were to walk away and you, you know, part of this is for you and part of this is for others, right? So there's a part that helped you and there's a part you can take away and you're going to have like three points and you're going to understand 
you know, how to help somebody get free and understand it. So I want to make this as simple as I possibly can. There's a little bit of review in this. And so uh, two really good texts for you to be familiar with when it comes to kind of freedom in Christ is, is John 8 and Mark 9. Uh, a really, a really, I love Mark chapter 9. It may be one of my favorite scriptures now. But uh, uh, John 8 is where we'll start, okay? And here's kind of the, you know, the big idea, you know, as we've been going forward is, is that it, a believer can, can be in bondage. So number one, if you're taking notes, is this. Three points I'm going to give you. It is possible for a believer to be in bondage or to be cha- in chains or to be in prison. A believer can be in bondage. John 8, 31 says, Then Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, Note that. Then Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him. What were they? They were believers. Okay? They were disciples. Believers was who he was talking to. If you abide in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And then it says, and you, parentheses, you could put close disciples, close parentheses, will know the truth. Everybody say, know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answers, answers them and says, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. Whoever, another, and a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Everybody say that with the King James. Indeed. All right, so that's the New King James Version. All right, so the popular verse that a lot of times, if I said, you know, I'm going to be preaching from John 8, some of you are like, oh, yeah, good old John 8. You probably have no idea what John 8's about. But if I said this verse, and the truth that you know, you know, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free, a lot of people have heard of that verse, right? Everybody pretty much kind of sort of heard that at one time. If you've been to church a little bit, usually heard that verse. But what usually is misquoted by leaders in particular, you know, and, and even pastors is we say, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. But it doesn't say that. It says, and you shall know the truth, right? So I want you to make sure that you see that connection, that Jesus is talking to believers and saying, believers, you need to know the truth, and then the truth that you know will set you free. So that means, and we can see earlier in the re- it's reference that Jesus is talking to those who believed in him, all right? And, and then he, he basically is saying that uh, the popular verse then again here is, you got to see the and in there, this is significant, but then he also says, whoever commits sin uh, is in bondage or is a slave to sin. You say, well, c- that word commits in, in the Greek is a, it means progressively, ongoingly, continuously, you continuously sin. You're, you're progressively sin. You keep on doing the same things over and over again, like we talked about in week one from Romans chapter seven, you know, that whole thing that Apostle Paul. So if you continue to sin, you become a slave to sin, and a believer can be in bondage, and, and bondage is the continuous ongoing, progressive uh, sin. Bondage is, and this is a definition if you want to write this down, you might have got this today, but it's any impulsive or compulsive behavior that restricts you from living and enjoying the freedom that Jesus died to give you. Any impulsive or compulsive behavior, and I'll, I'll, I'll separate those, that restricts you from living and enjoying freedom that Jesus died to give you. What is, what kind of, why... Why put impulsive there? Why, what's that all about? Well, impulsive in, in definition is, impulsive is uh, without thought or consideration. Impulsive. Without thought or consideration. A kind of a phrase would be, I don't know why I did that. I don't know why I did that. It just, or it just happened. Uh, compulsive, by definition, is this irresistible urge to do something against one's own wishes or will. 
Okay, you understand the difference? So impulsive is, is kind of, you know, just, it's thoughtless. It's, it's without consideration. That you, just, you just, I don't know why I did that. I, I, didn't, I didn't want to do that. Before I knew it, I ate the whole bag of potato chips. You know what I mean? I don't even know why I grabbed the bag of potato chips in the first place. I was walking by. I wasn't even going there. I was going for a can of tuna, and I grabbed the latest potato chips, and before you know it, they're all gone, right? Okay, that's, that would be kind of an impulse. Idea. Compulsive is just this, it's like you're ruled by, uh, you could, it's like the, 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 you're in, with lust. It could be taking you over that way, a, your loin, so to speak. It, just irresistible, uncontrollable. It's kind of more um, intentional where one is more unintentional. In other words, impulsive, though, uh, the compulsive we kind of understand and see that more clearly. The impulsive we're not as clear on. Impulsive would be like a man goes on a, a business trip and he, and he gets in a hotel and he kind of puts his bags away and he sits down on the bed and relaxes and hits the remote and he's kind of flipping through the TV channels and, and he's going through and, and, and then he, he doesn't intend to, he doesn't mean to, but he ends up stopping at something inappropriate. He ends up kind of parking there at something and he, and he watches it even though he didn't intend to do that and even though it was wrong. And then he, and then he later says either in his head or to someone else, I, I didn't want to do that, but something just came over me. I don't know what it was, but something just came over me. I never planned to do that. It was just an impulse. All right, everybody tracking with me what I'm saying? I'm trying to make this as real as I know how to. The reason that happened is because the, the reason that's there is because there's a root bondage there. The impulse is a result of a root issue. It wouldn't happen, that impulse to do that, that, that I don't know why I did that thing, that kind of uh, without thought or consideration wouldn't happen if the root wasn't there. The root has to be dealt with, like we were talking about earlier, to get different fruit. You don't do something impulsively unless there is a bad root there. And bondage needs to be dealt with at a root level in order to be eradicated from our life. Is everybody tracking with me? You sure? You guys have, you say, you're staying up for the show here? Okay, so you have to, the big idea is you got to deal with the root to get different fruit. A lot of times we're always on the external, and that's the big idea as we were going forward. Jeremiah 7, I'm going to read something from Jeremiah 7. You can do it on your own, verses 8 through 11. Jeremiah 7. This is, this is why this is important, okay? And this is kind of um, the motivation here is that we, 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 we kind of go through uh, motions, kind of a, sometimes a facade of faith, kind of a... Uh, there's a pretense, uh, there's a poser-type lifestyle sometimes we have. Jeremiah says in, in verse 8 of chapter 7, he says, Behold, you trust in lying words that cannot profit. Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, burn incense to Baal, walk after other gods uh, you do not know, and then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name? In other words, let me modernize this, you know what I mean? These, basically, they're saying is you have all these idolatries in your life between Monday and Saturday, and then you're going to come to church after that, and then it says, and say, we are delivered, or we are free to do all these abominations. We're free to do these different things. Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of thieves in your eyes? Behold, I, even I, have seen it, says the Lord. In other words, you, God didn't set, he didn't do what he did on, on Calvary. You, 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 the sin that's in your life, you got all this sin in your life and you, you've come to church and, and you kind of say, we're free. We, we kind of pretend or we kind of put on a show and, and, and that, or we say we're free so that we can do what we want. God didn't provide freedom on Calvary so we could do whatever I want. We're free not to sin, we're free not to sin. 
That's what he came to do, is, is set us free from sin. We actually now are not ruled by our lusts and our loins. We're not ruled by our, our passions. We're not, like my dad would say, you know, like we're, we're different than the monkeys and the penguins, you know, who are just based on their instincts are controlling them. No, because of what Jesus did, giving us free will agency, but also purchasing our freedom, we can say no. Everybody say, say no. We have the power to say no. Just like we have the power to come to God, which I'll come to that in a minute. So it's not to, to be perfect, but that you wouldn't be living in compulsive or impulsive behaviors ongoingly. And he didn't just die to give us forgiveness. He died to give us freedom. Amen? One time I was talking to uh, a guy, it wasn't that long ago, and he told me um, in conversation and in confidence that he was, he was separated from his wife and um, he was living with another Christian woman while separated. Okay, you guys, you guys tracking the, you doing the math, carrying the one and getting what's going on here? All right, and so he said, he says to me, he says, uh, uh, I want you to know, Pastor, though, it, it, you know, he's kind of trying to, he was trying to make me know that the relationship was special. He says, she, she and I are both spirit-filled believers, all right? She and I are both spirit-filled believers, and so, you know what I said, and, and you, you may not, you may be surprised at this because I'm normally a diplomat and a peacemaker, and I, peacemaker, and I said, I said, brother, can I tell you what spirits you're filled with? Because it ain't the Holy Spirit. I can tell you that. Not with that, not with that kind of a situation going on. Jesus, you know, uh, uh, I said, Brother Jesus, <laughs> would, would, not looking at it the way you're looking at it. And so uh, the reason is we cannot, we cannot uh, be filled with the Holy Spirit and continue in sin. I'm not saying sin. I'm saying continue in sin. The two, you know, shall not meet. Uh, Galatians 5, great scripture on freedom in Christ, Galatians 5. I'm giving you a bunch of stuff, little nuggets in here because you need to do some homework. You need to get in devotions. Eventually, we're going to have small groups that are very specifically towards this particular area. Freedom ministry will be, a, will be a, a part, in Jesus' name, a big part of our church, all right? But Galatians 5 uh, it talks about the Holy Spirit guiding your lives, and it talks about the, these two forces, the sinful nature and the godly nature, and they're contrary with one another, and they're, they're at war with one another, fighting each other. And, and the truth is, the one that's the strongest is the one that you feed the most. That's which one's the strongest. You've heard me tell the two husky stories, two identical huskies that come, and the guy admires the huskies and says, you know, you know, beautiful dogs, I can't tell them apart. Which one's the strongest? And the guy says, whichever one I feed the most. That, that's, it. that's the way it is with the godly nature and the sinful nature. Some people wonder why I'm not free. Why am I not free? Because you're not feeding your godly nature. And you're not undernourishing your sinful nature. And, and what you're doing is you're throwing both these, both these guys in the ring, so to speak, and they're battling out. And, and sometimes we're just going even, Stephen, even at our best. But most of the time we're being defeated and overcome and become uh, prey to and, and uh, um, um, su submitted to and a slave to our sinful nature. And, and, that's, and Jesus didn't die for that. Jesus didn't provide uh, all that he did so that we could just live uh, led by our loins and overcome by evil. Amen? So how are we filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, after the, the, the not only salvation, but also the baptism of the Holy Spirit, if you want to learn more about that, you need to go to 201. But the way we are filled with the Holy Spirit, ultimately, is when we continue to yield to the Holy Spirit. The way we are filled with the Holy Spirit so that it has jurisdiction, leadership, authority, dominion in our life is continuing to yield to the Holy Spirit and not yield to other spirits, other idolatries. 
We have, to, we have to live a life of surrender, life of obedience. The Holy Spirit is ultimately the only one who should control our lives. But what happens, think about this, just flip it. What happens when we continue to yield to the evil, uh, I'm just going to call it like it is, demonic influences? Uh, you know, name it, you know, lust, anger, bitterness, whatever, you know, uh, unforgiveness, all those kind of things. It, when we yield to that, then you'll be filled with that spirit. You'll be under that influence. Do you understand? We become a prisoner to kind of whatever we, we, we become a slave to whatever we surrender to. It's like we said in the first week that, you know, um, we, uh, you know, we, whatever we, whatever we worship, whatever we worship, we follow, whatever we follow, we serve, whatever we serve, we become a slave to. That's what happens over and over again. Romans 6, 15 and 16, Romans 6, 15 and 16, it says, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but now under grace? Uh, by the way, he's talking to believers here again. Certainly not. Do you not know that to, that to whom you present yourself slave to obey, you are that one slave to whom you obey. In other words, whoever you yield to, you become a slave to. Whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. Romans 6 is saying exactly what I just told you a second ago. So whatever you yield to, that's kind of the summary, you'll be in bondage to. Whatever you yield to, you'll be in bondage to. And, and, and again, remember, it starts with surrender. To resist the devil, you have to submit to God. James 4, 7. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will, what? Flee from you. Flee from you. So you've got to be filled up, fueled up, fired up to beat up the devil. And so stay in the spirit. Follow his leadings and promptings, his whisperings, his word. Do whatever the word already says to do. You've got to follow the, the moral will of God. You've got to follow the, the providential will of God. That's what he's up to in the kingdom. That's what he's up to. Big picture. Follow the moral will of God. That's what his word always says. That, and, then, and then you'll know the personal will of God for your life. That's how that kind of works. God's, he, you know, he doesn't make it that complicated. We, we're the ones that make it complicated. Sometimes things are going out of my mouth. I'm like, that just makes a lot of sense. You know, well, you're like, Pastor, I hope it does. You're teaching us. But... It's amazing, you know, if you just did what his word says, if you just, if you face the circumstances or the temptation come in your life with the word, Matthew 4, Luke 4, it is written, you know, specific attacks, you want to have specific promises, specific truths and precepts. You know, I was talking about this a little while ago, 1 Peter 4, I'm just going to do one more thing on this, on just how to yield to his influences, uh, but I want to kind of talk about a little aspect of this, 1 Peter 4, uh, 1 through 6. And basically, uh, I'll uh, pull it up real quick. Um, I gave a little analogy of this, but uh, I think it was last, it might have been last SNL. But when we're yielding to his influence, it doesn't mean it's easy. In other words, yielding to the influence of the Holy Spirit doesn't mean you're not going to feel the pull or the tug away from him. Again, there's a war. The sinful nature of God, they're contrary with us. There's a spiritual battle that's going on here. I would submit to you that the more you yield to the influence of the Holy Spirit, obey him, follow him, do what he says to do, whether it be his promptings, his whisperings, or his word, the more you do that, the, 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 the less um, intense the pull is, the gravitational pull towards sin. I, I hear, hear this, uh, this is unqualified, you could say a lot about this, but I don't want to say I don't sin, but I sin less when I yield more to the Holy Spirit. There's a bunch of things I don't do that I used to do that were bad. And, and they don't have the pull on me that they once had, you know? And so 
I still got to watch out for the Entenmann's Danish in the, in the Fig Newton sleeves. That's still got a pretty strong pull, you know what I mean? I'm only like 13 weeks on this gluten-free diet thing. So I walk down that aisle. It's still tough, all right? But it's getting easier because I'm 13 weeks at it. Are you tracking? So you keep yielding to that appropriate influence. The pull gets less. All right, so I want you to make sure you understand there is a certain um, war that's going on here. So 1 Peter 4 says, verse 1, it says, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body... Oh, Christ suffered? I mean, it, was, it wasn't that easy for him either? No. He suffered in his body. He says, arm yourselves also with that same attitude because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. How do you get done with sin? You might have to suffer a little bit. There's some temporary inconvenience. You know, let's just be honest. We don't like that. Turn to your neighbor and say, I don't like that. I don't like that. I, turn to your other neighbor and say, I don't like that that much either. We just don't. You know what I mean? We don't like, you know, one of my friends, uh, good friends, we were at dinner the other night, and he said he, he lost a bunch of weight. He looks fantastic. And he went to the doctor, and his doctor said, you're obese. And the first thing he said was, I don't like that. I don't like you, and I don't like that statement. You know what I mean? And uh, he was mad at his wife because his wife never told him. But um, we, we just, we don't like the, 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 the pain. We don't like, we don't go, want to go through any pain. But the truth is, it gets, it's diminished in its, in, its, in its pull, that gravitation towards those kind of things as we continue to surrender to the influence of the Holy Spirit. Are you tracking with me? It's, it's uh, you know, that, that mouthwash analogy that I gave you guys a while back. You know, you got to, to kill all those germs, those sinful, demonic forces, you got to swish that, that, that Listerine around in your mouth till you go through the burn. But most of the time, we just want to throw it in there. Oh, God's word and his whisperings and his, his voice and all that. I heard the, you just spit it out right away. Your breath still stanks, okay? Nothing happened. You didn't kill any. You got to go through the burn. Oh, my God. You just go through it. And then all of a sudden, it just goes away. And it's all dead. They're all dead. All those evil little demons, bad breath demons. They're all gone. Praise the Lord, all right? All right, so anyway, the first thing is every, every, every believer can, can be in bondage. That's a big part of the problem. And another, you know, as we talked about earlier, we have a hard time admitting it. We don't want to admit it. Here's the second thing. Number two, it is, it is difficult to admit you're in bondage. So a believer can be in bondage. Number two, it's difficult to admit that you're in bondage. And in order to be free from something, you have to admit it. I can't tell you how important this particular point is. This is more key than you can possibly imagine. Every believer can be in bondage. But it's difficult to admit you are in bondage. John 8, 33, that scripture we opened up with. They answered him, the believers, the disciples. We, listen, to, listen to what I'm saying when I read this, all right? And just, this is something very funny in here, and I think some of you remember this. this, this it's a very, it's maybe one of the funniest things in the Bible. We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free, Jesus, because we've never been in bondage. Now, I'm going to, I just can't believe this. I'm thinking, are you kidding me? Seriously, these people have been in bondage to everyone. The Chaldeans, the Babylonians, I mean, the whole Passover thing they're worshiping is all about being set free from the Egyptians, and at that very moment, they're in captivity to the Romans. We have never been in bondage. We just, I'm just saying we can take and glean from this that we have a problem admitting we have a problem. 
Say, turn to your neighbor and say, you got a problem. Turn back at your neighbor and say, yo, you got a problem, man. You got a problem. You're the one's a problem. The reason I bring this up is because I deal with this stuff all the time. I deal with it in myself. I deal with it in loved ones. I deal with it with people. And, you know, man, you got a bondage. I well, I wouldn't call that a bondage, Pastor. Man, you got, that's a bondage, man. Tell them what I, yeah, that's a bondage. Man, I would call that, I would call that a weakness. It's just a weakness, Pastor. Well, buddy, let, let me ask you a question. How long have you had that weakness? 25 years. Bro, that ain't a weakness. That's a bondage. And we don't want to admit it. We want to call it something else. We want to give it another name. Well, you know, what's your story? What's your attitude towards bondages? We, 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 want to, we want to believe that it's not true, and we want to kind of hold it and coddle it. And You know, I was thinking about this movie. I forget what it's called anyway. I think it's, ah, I can't remember the name of it. It's so funny. But uh, we, just, we, just, we just want to hang on to that thing. We want to minimize it. Really not, it's really not that bad. It's really not that bad. I don't have, a, I don't have an eating disorder. You want to say something? Yes, Tommy boy, cuddle it, hold it. Yeah, the bread, right? He's got the bread. Yeah, there you go. Thank you very much. I knew Troy would be able to pull that. I should have, re- I should have reached out early. Yeah, Tommy boy, yeah. Cuddle it and hold it. He's just going on. But anyway, uh, we don't like to admit it because, because the reason is is because it's something that's going on inside us. We don't like people talking about something that's going on the inside. We have a hard enough time when they're dressing something on the outside, but you dress something on the inside because inside has to do kind of with our character. It has to do with kind of our identity, who we kind of really are. It's kind of an indictment of our character and identity. And, and like we said two weeks ago, it's often an offense to us to admit that we have a bondage. That's a big part of the problem. But the, but the truth is, it's foolishness not to admit it. And more importantly, it's a necessity if we want to be free. And I can't stress that enough. If you want to be free, if you want to help somebody else get free, they have to acknowledge, they have to admit, they got a problem. Yeah, it's an evasion. It's like, it's, a, it's evasive, you know? And it's, it's, you know? It's just like, you know, buddy, you got, you know, you got lint on your suit. I don't got lint on my suit. I'm a Christian. Christians don't have lint on their suit. I mean, people, they don't like to be called out. You, you, you got a problem with anger, man. You get, you're in bondage. No, I'm not! You know, dude, yeah, you are. Man, you got a bondage to lust. No, I don't, man. No, no, I don't. No, I don't. Rubberneck. You know? We just, we just don't want to go there. It's crazy. I was talking, I let him, was talking to a guy the other day. I've been, I've been a mentor in his life for many, many years, and he can't even talk to me. He's so bound by lust. He can't even talk to me because he can't, he can't even fall. I'm like, I'm right here, but I'm right here. You know? Rubbernecking, just boo, 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 boo. You know? Crazy, 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 crazy. This is a problem. You know, it's hard to admit it, but because it's on the inside, not the outside in most cases, but you can't get free until you see that you're in bondage. Let's look back at this kind of idea again about knowing. You know, you shall know the truth, okay? That whole thing, we've talked about it a little bit, but I kind of want to talk about it a little bit more. He, notice, notice that in John 8, 32, he didn't say, you shall meet the truth. He didn't say you shall meet the truth. He said you shall what? You shall know the truth. There's a difference between meeting someone and knowing someone. This is another thing I want you to see about getting free. There's a big difference between meeting someone 
and knowing someone. You know, I, I, I've had the, the privilege now, after almost 20 years of ministry, uh, uh, to have some, some, some great friends. Some of them kind of, you know, we have one friend, Pastor Randy. You guys know Pastor Randy, but he has this phrase. He goes, you know, I'm kind of a big deal. He'll be funny. He'll be like, I'm kind of a big deal. Now, he is the humblest guy on the planet, but he's the funniest guy on the planet. Too. And we'll sometimes say, Randy, great job. He goes, yeah, no, I'm kind of a big deal. I'm kind of a big deal. Well, he is kind of a big deal to us. I mean, he's got a mega church, and he's influencing people all over the world now. It's pretty awesome. And, and uh, you know, I could, I, could, I could drop some names, you know, different people. And I've had the opportunity one time, I had the opportunity to, uh, to meet John Maxwell. Now, but if you came up to me and said, hey, do you know John Maxwell? And I said, yeah, I know John Maxwell. Yeah, John Maxwell and I, yeah, I know John, absolutely. Say, so, you know, well, do you have his address? Because I wanted to send him a letter for his book, you know, that he, that he just wrote, you know, 15 Laws of Growth. I want to send him that book. Do you have his, I don't know. I don't have his address. Well, you know, well, do you know his wife's name? Because maybe, you know, I wanted to say something to her too. Maybe send something to her because, you know, I heard she's kind of going through something. Do you know his wife? You don't, no, no, I don't, know, I don't know his wife's name either. Well, wait a second. I thought you said that you know John. I thought you said, I just assumed that you would know his wife. Gloria, I think her name's Gloria. I just pulled that out of the air. I think that's right. No, you don't understand. I, I've met John, but I don't really know John, right? There's a big difference between meeting someone and knowing someone. There's a big difference between meeting truth and knowing truth. Now, meeting can be good. In other words, many have met Jesus. Many have met Jesus. In fact, you've got to meet Jesus to get saved. Listen to this, though. You got to know Jesus to get free. It's a totally different thing. Praise God for all the people that met Jesus today, but to get free, they need to know Jesus. It's a whole different level. It's an H N L. How do we say it around here? Ho, another level. So the more you know Jesus and his word, which are one by the way, those two are one. Jesus is the logos, he is the word of God become flesh, the more free we'll be. Freedom comes from, from knowing Jesus better. Here's the, here's the final point, okay? So number one, a, a believer can be in bondage. Number two, it's difficult for a believer to admit they're in bondage. Number three, it's easy to get free. This is going to be the shocker for some people, but it's actually easy to get free. Three points is it's possible for a Christian to be in bondage. It's difficult to admit it, but it's easy to be, to be free. This is somewhat counterintuitive. Why? Because here's why. Fundamentally, here's why it's easy to get free. Because it doesn't depend on you. It depends on Jesus. It doesn't depend on us at all. Can we have an amen out there for that one? It, thank God it doesn't depend on me. Do you know, there's, you know I, was, I was praying even about this service before. That's why I kind of got a little bit overcome. I, I, the Spirit of God came on me, but at the same time, I got overcome because I was just so blessed because I would, there's a tendency, I'm just going to be very transparent with you, but this afternoon, um, Deidre was just kind of referencing earlier. He's like, you know, you know, basically he's like, Pastor, you did a great job this morning, and now we're expecting you to go to this next level. That's, that's, I feel that. I feel that reality. I mean, I, that, it's funny for you. For me, it's not so funny. <laughs> not so funny. It sucks to be me right now. You know what I'm saying? So, in particular, though, not so much in what I'm going to communicate, but what the, I want the outcome to be. So we're talking about freedom, right? And I'm thinking, oh, God, you know, I, you know, I need to fast, and I need to, you know, whole, I need to this, and I need to that, and I need to work this, and I... And, you know, and he just kind of caught me right in the middle and says, it doesn't depend on you. It depends on me. 
You're trying to carry, this is, this is not a weight on me. This is a weight on God. And if we wait on God, we'll be free too. Are you tracking with me? So it doesn't depend on me. It depends on Jesus. It doesn't depend on you. It depends on Jesus. And the difficult, the most difficult part is just admitting and, and asking for help, but actually getting free is easy. Can I tell you something? You may, you may not even think of this. You may, not, you may not contemplate this, but Jesus is not that impressed with Satan. He's just not. He's not. He doesn't, he doesn't like, okay, you know, this is, this is what I was doing this afternoon. He's not like in the back room like, okay, we're going to be facing Satan. You know what I mean? I need a running start, you know, before I'm going to, you know, hit Satan. You know, here we go. Here we go. You know what I mean? Come on. You know, I don't need it. Jesus doesn't need a running start. He just goes, boo. Woo. That's it. It's over. Fight over. He just started to snap his fingers and Satan came like lightning to earth. Fight was over. Some of y'all need to hear that. The reality is, he, he, he already defeated the enemy. It's done. 1 John 3, 8, for this purpose was the Son of God manifest to destroy the works of the evil one. And the principality or power shall stand before my God. Amen? So look at Mark chapter 9. I told you we are going to go to that scripture. Turn there and... And uh, this is a cool, cool text as we kind of wrap this up. Let me show you how easy it is to be free, Mark chapter 9, all right? <clears throat> Mark 9, verse 17. You guys enjoying this? You, you still? I mean, this is, this is way better than this morning. <laughs> Mark 9, 17, okay? Um, a man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, look at this. this just imagine, I want you to realize this is a true story. Okay, this is a happen. These are people. All right, everybody tracking? Okay. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Jesus says, Oh, unbelieving generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Four awesome words. Bring that boy to me. So here's what's going on, you know, I think that, I think, I don't know, let's just imagine the disciples over there, you know, and Jesus, they come to Jesus with this, this, this situation, my boy, this is what's happening, he's, 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 he's having this problem, he's overcome, and your disciples over there, they couldn't do it. And this is just my rendering, you know, but Jesus kind of looked at him like, what am I going to do with you guys? I mean, I, I, I've taught you what to do. You know, you, you, you just, you have faith? In Jesus' name? Hello? Hello? How long have you been with me? And he just goes, bring the boy to me. And this is what's cool. This is what always happens when just before somebody's getting to get free or just before a miracle is the devil always makes the last stand. He always makes the last stand. And so... So the boy starts foaming at the mouth, and he's convulsing, and he's going crazy. And this is what I picture, all right? I just, I, I picture Jesus, he's got a buck knife, and he's got an apple, and he's just kind of, and this kid's over here going, 
you know, foaming at the mouth, crazy. Jesus just over there, just peeling the apple. Talks to the dad. He goes, so how long has he been this way? You know? I want to buy the apple? It's been going on for a long time, you know. He is completely unmoved by this situation. It's just the last stand. We see the last stand and we're like, oh my gosh! Get a running start or run for the hills. Jesus is not impressed with this situation. What does he say? Bring that boy to me. Bring that boy to me. Then read, read verse 20. I don't know why I closed this up. I shouldn't have done that. Um, we'll keep going, okay? You got to just see, like, I, I really think this is kind of what's going on here. All right. So Mark 9, verse 20, then he says, so they brought him. And when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into convulsion. Here's his last stand. He fell to the ground. He's rolled around. He's foaming at the mouth. And then Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this, peeling the apple? <laughs> From childhood, he answered. It often thrown him in the fire, water to kill him. But if you, but, but what? But if you can, but what? But if you can do anything, Jesus. Anybody familiar with that kind of line of reasoning? But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Jesus says, if you can. If you can do anything, Jesus, have compassion on us. Help us. In verse 23, Jesus says, if you can, if you can. In other words, the one who holds, you know, the earth in the palm of his hand, the one who has all authority, the one who has all dominion, the one who spoke, you know, the th things that were not and they came into existence, the one who was there from the beginning, if I can, no. The problem, the situation is not an if I can, it's if you can. He turns it around on him and he says, not if I can, he says, if you can, said Jesus. Interesting. There's not one of us here who hasn't prayed at one point in our life or some time or situation, Lord, if you could do this, if you could do that, if you could touch this, if you could fix that, if you could heal this, if you could heal that. It's not an if he can. That's, that's, that's got to be removed from our vocabulary. His response is the same to you, the same as it was to this guy. It's not, it's not if I, it's if you. Ephesians 3.20, God wants to do above and beyond all of us, ask or think according to the power that's at work within us, us. And so I just want you to see what I think sometimes I don't see, you don't see. It's easy to be set free if you come to Jesus, right? Look at Mark chapter 5. I've got to do one more. I want you to see this. Mark chapter 5, because I had a point I wanted to make earlier, and I think it's important. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, hold the horse while I get on. Mark 5. One, all right, here's the healing of a demon-possessed man. Mark 5, 1, it says, um, and again, read this, like, it's really happened, okay? Mark 5, 1, it says, they went across the lake to the region of uh, Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. Oh, goody. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore. Not even with a chain. So this guy's so bound, chains don't even bind him. <laughs> That's funny. I don't care what you say. <laughs> For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When, Jesus, when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. 
He shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want to, to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you evil spirit. And then he goes on to say, what's your name? And you know the rest of the story there. Powerful, powerful situation. Now, here's the situation. You and I have problems. You and I have issues, right? Right? If you don't have issues, then that's your issue, right? So you and I have issues, right? We have problems. But this guy had big problems. I don't think anybody in this room had the problems that this guy had, okay? Luke said he was naked, all right? Last I checked, everybody's fully clothed in here, okay? You all came close, so I know no one was worse than this guy. He was pretty bad off. None of you live naked in the cemetery like this guy did. I hope. If you do, go to another church. Seriously. One of our elders will minister to you. I'll delegate that. But look, look at verse 6. He says, this, this guy who's all messed up, got problems way worse than us. He says, when he saw Jesus from afar off, he ran and worshipped him. He ran and worshipped him. This verse tells us that Satan doesn't have the power to stop you from coming to Jesus. He was more bound than you. He was more in bondage than you. He had bigger problems than you. He was more messed up with you. He was naked in a cemetery. And he still had the ability to run to Jesus. So this notion that when you're bound, you can't come to Jesus is a lie. Let me tell you the lie the devil, the devil put on me when I was, when I was a young man. My, my parents, my, my dad's here will remember this, but I used to have nightmares. I used to have bad dreams. Bad, bad dreams. Horrible dreams. And I would come in the middle of the night, and I would wake my dad up to tell him I'm going to the bathroom. How many know that's, that's just, you like that? You know what I mean? Thanks, son. Appreciate that. You're going to the bathroom. That's awesome. Because I was afraid I was going to be attacked. And it sounds ridiculous, but I mean, I was tormented. I saw stuff. I, it was horrible. I had a lot of just horrible, horrible dreams. One of the dreams that I had, and I could tell some funny stories about this, and I could tell you how I ultimately faced this whole challenge, but one of the dreams I had, and this is honest truth, this is, this is my story, Think, don't tell everybody, but I, I, the enemy would strangulate me. See, my daddy taught me that you can rebuke the devil, you know, and he will flee. you can resist the devil, you can rebuke the devil, you can take authority over him, you say the name of Jesus, and devil, the devil has to, sh demons shudder at the name of Jesus, and I was just convinced, just there's authority in the name of Jesus. Is there authority in the name of Jesus? Absolutely, there's authority in the name of Jesus. So what the devil convinced me of is, I'll choke you so you can't speak, and then you'll be in bondage. But it was when I really began to realize that not, that's a lie, first of all, and that nothing can keep me from coming to God. Nothing. So the devil, he's, he's diabolical. He'll use all kinds. The reason I bring that up is because he'll use all kinds of tactics lies to convince you that you're bound and you're going to stay bound and that you can't be free. But I also want you to see this guy ran to Jesus. One of the reasons sometimes we're not free is because we don't believe a believer can be in bondage. Another reason we're not getting free is because we don't want to admit we have a problem. But another reason that we don't get free is because we won't run to Jesus. We'll just kind of, hmm, maybe. We, I don't want to wait in the line, you know, to, to be healed. I don't want to, but I'll sit in a, in a doctor's office with one of those little Johnnies on with my naked butt on a little leather bench for hours on end in the freezing cold and think nothing of that. I'll go to that doctor, but I won't go to the doctor that can really heal me and set me free. I think there's a problem with that. And for me, you know, I used to be, 
you know, bound by several things. Fear of man, anger, uh, sexual immorality or temptation that ultimately led to, ultimately led to sexual immorality. A horrible, bond, horrible bondage accompanied by terrible feelings of shame and guilt. And, and, and then he was using all that to keep me out of the ministry, convincing me that I was worthless and couldn't be used by God. Are you guys tracking with me? And there were different opportunities to get free, but ultimately I had to admit I had a problem to get free. Ultimately I had to realize that a believer could be in bondage because I was a believer since I was a young boy, but I was bound by things. And in order to be free, you got to come to Jesus to be free. And so at the end of the day, the only person that can stop someone from being free is you. Is you. I used to think that, oh, you know, all this stuff, it's all under the blood. The sins before salvation, they're all... But then, but then I'd sin after, and, and the devil would convince me, well, because you sin now, you've lost that. And then ultimately I realized I didn't lose my salvation, but I, I did begin to realize I lost my freedom. But Jesus died not just so that the sins that I committed in the past would be paid for, but the sins that I committed in the past, the present, and the future. But more than that, it wasn't just for forgiveness, it was for freedom. And you've got to believe that Jesus wants to remove not only the penalty of your sin, but he wants to give you a clear conscience. He wants to remove shame and condemnation. And I, I, I just want to ask you a question. You, you can just kind of, it's a rhetorical, but... If your pastor needed some freedom, and I'm going to tell you something else that you may not like this point either, but I needed freedom in ministry, not just before ministry. I needed freedom as a pastor. If your pastor needed freedom, I bet there's some people in here that needed freedom too. We got to get real, you know, and we got to admit just areas in our life that need to be free. And we got to run to Jesus. Amen? Would you guys stand on your feet? I want to pray with you. In fact, anybody that just wants some ministry and some prayer, I want you to come right down, right down around the altar and just fill it up. Just fill it up. Some of you met Jesus. You just need to know Jesus. Chris, can you help us with that? There's that song I want to do. I really want to do that song, yeah. Before we leave tonight. I'm just going to do some old school deliverance right now, okay? Um, baby, you want to come up with me? Maybe get a mic in case you get something, okay? Um, let's see. Let me lay some groundwork. I've got some leaders that are going to be along the front here that can lay hands on you. and So I'm going to call some things out. And this, this, is, how, this is how this will go, okay? First of all, do you trust your pastor? Yeah. Okay. I just want you to trust God too, all right? He wants people to be free. He does. And there's an environment of freedom. And it's not hard. It's not hard. It's not hard to uh, obtain freedom, just like it's not hard to make a decision to come to Christ. It's a little harder to follow Christ. It's a little harder sometimes to maintain freedom. So there's some decisions, some things that the Holy Spirit's going to reveal to you that you need to do when you walk out of here different. Just like I said, you need to disconnect from the world and connect more to God. But you can literally, the, the, the compulsive bondage and the impulsive roots, whatever, they can be broken. They will be broken tonight before you leave. Okay? They'll be broken before you leave tonight. But then to walk it out, 
to carry it out, you've got to disconnect from some things. But you're going to have the freedom not to sin. When you're in bondage, it feels like, or you've been convinced and you bought a lie, that you cannot help yourself. You can't stop it. That's what's going to be broken right now in Jesus' name. Are you tracking with me? Okay. So what I want you, anybody that's kind of out there, kind of either playing observer, I want you to participate in prayer so you can kind of intercede right where you are that's kind of praying for these people because let me tell you something, this, this, is, this is a weight and God wants to carry and lift this burden off them and so I just want you to kind of have, a, 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 have an ownership about this and intercede for them and, and believe God to break this break this yoke and break this bondage and break every single chain, okay? I want you to close your eyes as we, as we begin to worship. We're going to worship one song and then we're just going to start flowing in the spirit under the discerning of spirits and we'll just call stuff out and I'll lead you through what, what to do, okay? Amen? So just worship, just worship, all right? Praise the Lord.